Hello, my loves. Welcome to another episode of TRP Recovery. It's your host, Nikkel, and today I'm so excited to be bringing on a special guest. So as you may or may not know, May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and I decided to bring on two psychologists to help us dig into some really important topics in the mental health community, specifically in regards to um, trauma. And so the first one is Pamela Thorpe. She is an EMDR specialist and psychotherapist who studied in the field for over 10 years. And she's going to be talking to us about the beauty, the history, and the importance of using EMDR therapy in your treatment to getting over PTSD. So sit back, relax, grab a cup of tea, and let's get started. Hi, Pamela. How are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm so good because I'm so excited to talk to you today. I have such an amazing topic and I couldn't think of anyone better than yourself to help us really go through, you know, something that's very, very near and dear to my heart, which is talking about trauma and how to overcome it. And especially in these times with the pandemic happening, it's just so easy to like, just go inside of yourself and allow your mind to spiral out of control. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sorry for the little distraction, but we will, uh, no, life, not, so life is not always go as planned. <laughs> yeah, and I love talking about trauma and all the discoveries that have been made about it in this last decade or, or two. Yeah. Is, is, there have been so many discoveries on how to work with it therapeutically and personally. And I love being part of spreading the word. I'm so glad for that. So like, let's do something and like introduce yourself to the audience. Give us like a two minute elevator pitch. Okie dokie. I am a uh, integrative psychotherapist. I have been in practice for over 30 years in New York City. Uh, I'm classically trained as a psychoanalyst and psychodynamic psychotherapist. But after a decade or so of practice, I realized there were so many other ways to incorporate into the work. There's no method that has a monopoly on, on growth and, and help. So I started to learn all these integrative techniques, EMDR, which is terrific. It's a gold standard trauma therapy. I practiced that, incorporated that into my practice since 2004. And I also use uh, techniques from energy psychology and energy medicine, like emotional freedom techniques. What else am I? I am a certified health coach because I believe food is medicine and food and mood are intimately connected. And I just got certified as a med meditation and mindfulness teacher in the program run by Jack Cornfield and Tara Brock. So that's my latest. I've had a lot nice. of time in the business. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. That's impressive, Pamela. That's super impressive. Oh my gosh. So I love that you mentioned EMDR, which is what we're really going to focus on today. But before we go into that, I want you to give the audience a bit of a breakdown on trauma and specifically with the um, complex PTSD and traditional like PTSD. Help us okay. kind of like, you know, understand what that is and the distinction between the two. Okay. PTSD and CPTSD as, you know, they're diagnostically referred to. PTSD is usually a one event, if not a single event, a, a, a very 
definable thing that has happened that has had prolonged symptoms that, that continued to be triggered and uh, relived in all sorts of ways. CPTSD, complex PTSD, which I actually think is much more common, is when there is a backlog of other traumas or traumatic experiences in life that might make a current upset event more complex to work with. And I can, I can explain a little bit more about how trauma gets stored in the brain and how things can build up so that the trigger responses in CPTSD have a lot more feeding them usually than a, a more recent single in, incident. I think we all have trauma mm -hmm. uh, in various shapes, sizes, forms. Mm -hmm. Some of it is less uh, troublesome. You know, the, we, we, we say the smaller T's, which everybody's had upsets, which have impacted them and that mm -hmm. sometimes they have a little trouble dealing with. But big T, as we would call it, is a more explicit event or series of events that, that leaves someone chronically with symptoms mm -hmm. that don't just respond to talking, you know, which is where EMDR has come in and been very helpful. Do you want me just to talk a little bit about how trauma gets stored in the brain? I would love that. Okay. Yes. Well, the brain is this amazing, <laughs> I mean, we have so many departments up here. Um, so a simple brain kind of, we have all sorts of departments. When you have a trauma, the brain stores it differently it gets locked up in what we call a neural network. So that's where we store things in neural networks. They're like little volts in our brain so that it's locked and nothing can get to it to help it heal. You know, there's some sort of block. A regular upsetting thing, which can be tremendously upsetting, but somehow doesn't get stored as trauma, you can reach it, you can work with it, you can a few weeks or a few months later kind of put it, put it down and it doesn't keep. So what EMDR does is it accesses the locked up stuff and it makes it more accessible to adaptive information, to healing information. That's why so many people might recognize, hey, I've been talking about this for years. I've been working on this for years and I am still feeling these symptoms. What the heck is going on here? It's uh, not because yeah. you're failing. It's just that the talk can't, can't get in there. Yeah. And help it, help it adapt. Oh, wow. So it's almost like it's trapped like in your long-term memory is what you're saying. And if, in order for it to like, you know, get out, EMDR is kind of like the vessel for, for that to happen not just in long-term memory, but, but yes, it is long-term because it stays there, but trauma also freezes up at the time it happens and gets stored in state specific ways, like, like in smells, in sounds, yeah. in image, in self-beliefs. It all stops at the time and it kind of freezes. Like imagine watching a picture of the ocean 
right? Beautiful ocean and the waves are coming and they're peaking and they're breaking and they keep rolling and they get to do their thing. Well, trauma goes like this and it stops and it never gets to complete land and heal. I love that visual. It really does help because I've heard that when you go through traumatic experiences, it's like the person kind of like their development stops at that point in time until they get to a point where they're healing it, you know, continuously. And I can say for myself, that's so true. Like in my like development, there were certain areas in my life where I felt like I just kind of like froze in like my teenage years. And they were just like some areas that were super underdeveloped in comparison to others. So like in like academia, for example, like in school or in work, great at it but in other areas of my life like relationships for example uh, it just was kind of like frozen so it's so interesting and that is absolutely people have their trigger zones mm. and then they have other zones where things don't get activated like you said mm -hmm. academically it didn't you know it didn't trigger in those mm -hmm. conditions mm -hmm. usually our triggers come up under certain conditions Mm. that remind the wiring of the original trauma and it doesn't even have to look like it it doesn't even have to be it's more around self-belief things that might let's I'm just using as an example somebody has a very uh, shaky kind of sense of value about themselves as lovable or mm -hmm. or wantable and they might be great in a school setting, but once they get into a relationship setting, mm -hmm. that all gets activated. Activated. Yeah, it sounds like you know, know what I'm talking. <laughs> a little too well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's wonderful to recognize that. Yeah. And so that you know, not only are you reacting to the current Mm -hmm. whatever's upsetting you but other things are coming up the line it's like having a fire mm -hmm. with more kindling under it that's that's the complex part yeah oh my god that's amazing so like we talked about like you know like triggers being activated so how might that show up in everyday life with people like you, we talked about like relationships and you might feel frozen but like Describe that to us, like someone gets into a relationship or they come across like, you know, an image that reminds them of something like physiologically what's going on with them. An image that is somehow connecting to, uh, to older plants. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, this can come up a lot with people who have, say, pure fear of public speaking, which is a very common thing. And somebody might be doing wonderfully in the rest of their life, but as soon as they get up in front of people, what gets, well, this might not be a great example, but you know, I, I had a patient who, who sang and danced and there was this super happy little kid. And, and then the, the mother would always, when they had people over say, okay, you know, come on, Susie, I'm making the name up, you know, come on, do a little something for us. And Susie would do that. And then the mother would start to criticize it in front, like, well, you didn't do this step quite right. And you didn't, mm -hmm. you know, and, and she had this happen. Now this isn't, I mean, there, I mean, there's trauma in all zones. There's much 
I don't want to say that was benign because it really affected her. She really had trouble in her career and because she would have to make presentations. And so that, and she would work with all these people trying to, and we finally processed the old memories of the performing and the being shamed. That's what she had never thought of that as part of the problem. And, and the self-belief of, yeah. you know, self-belief would be, you know, I'm bad, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm terrible at, you know, whatever. And we processed mm-hmm. those memories and it opened it up. I mean, trauma happens in, I don't want to judge people's trauma, traumas mm-hmm. because our pain is our pain. But let's say people who come out of violent or explicitly abusive, early developmental settings, mm-hmm. it, 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 can, it can, first of all, a, a lot of times it can end up in drug abuse mm. or, or finding forms of self-soothing that mm-hmm. are available. Mm-hmm. And, and, then, and then that, of course, makes more problems and makes it, I call it double C, you know, it's already CPSD and then you have the second C of substance abuse or or whatever the dual diagnosis is. And people turn to all sorts of things, not because they're bad and not because they're trying to destroy themselves, but but because it's their only way they can find to self-soothe in the moment. So, you know, a lot of what, people like to call self-defeating behaviors yeah can come and I don't like to call it it does self-defeat but that sounds a little punitive to me yeah. um just maladaptive behavior maladaptive behaviors mm-hmm. to maladaptive situations mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I might be getting a little fuzzy here but it has long-term effects on people's lives relationships health yeah. um sorry I keep wiggling my table here I've got to stop that and, you know, I mean, can you give me a guiding question maybe of mm-hmm. what you think your listeners might want to hear? Yeah. So for, for me, I think, and for my audience as, as well, I think something that's really hard to overcome is admitting that there's something wrong because of like all of like the self-soothing techniques that you mentioned, like this is working just fine for me. Like I can become a workaholic. I can go to alcohol, I can go to to sex, I can go to whatever in order for me to like not have to to feel this or not have to think about this. And sometimes people don't even make that connection that what you're doing now is related to something that happened in the past. So I think the important thing is like stating what it is and actually like acknowledging it and then identifying what that is because putting a label to it was one of the most freeing things for me personally. It was one of the most freeing things I've ever done for myself because it was admitting that, oh, so that's what it's called. Oh, so that it's not just something that's unique to me. Like, I'm, I'm not unique to this. Like, there's something like, there's nothing wrong inherently with me as an individual. It's more so like what I was doing was a result of the things that happened to me in the past, if that makes sense. You're actually having a normal trauma reaction. Mm-hmm you know, opposite of there's something wrong with me, which can, which can be a very common Mm self-belief people come out of bad treatment with, Mm -hmm. Um, you are actually having a normal trauma reaction. Mm -hmm. And also I'll say this might make sense 
trauma stores in the brain like a jigsaw puzzle, mm -hmm. but all the little pieces haven't been put together. So you can't get a hold of it. So like what you said in being able to start to name it, yeah. you began to put the pieces together. Mm -hmm. And once you put the pieces together, even if it's upsetting stuff, then you have more of a handle on it. You know, you have it. It doesn't have you as much. And good. <laughs> something like that. That is so good. It doesn't have you. You have it. I love that. So you mentioned like um, EDMR, right? EMDR. EMDR, so sorry, thank you, thank you. So could you like do us a favor and explain what that is and like some of the more effective ways of implementing that? Of, co of course. <laughs> She's like, yes. <laughs> what is this? Well, EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. It was invented by a researcher named Francine Shapiro about 25 years ago. Bedrock to EMDR is something called bilateral stimulation, BLS. The famous story is Francine, who is a psychologist researcher, and she was having some of her own traumas, mm. was taking a walk through the woods one day. This is like, this is like the story, taking yeah. a walk through the woods. And she starts to notice that when she's walking, her, her and she was very upset. That did mm -hmm. that in that period. When she walked, she started to 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 feel something a little bit shift and yeah. feel better. So she started experimenting with it. You know, she'd walk and stop and walk and stop. Anyway, she months went by and she she developed something. Her theory was that in the two-sided movement, mm -hmm. it was allowing the brain to start to process information differently. And then she developed it. And so BLS, we either use eye movements going back and forth. Yeah. You either follow lights on a board or use the fingers. Mm -hmm. More commonly, we have these little things called theratappers, which are just little mm -hmm. buzzing discs. And you hold them in your hands and they go buzz, 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 buzz. It's a two-sided stimulation. Yeah. Or you can also do it audio-wise. During the pandemic, uh, also, you can do it just by tapping on your knees or mm -hmm. tapping on your shoulders. That's self-applied. When you put together the trauma, mm -hmm. and there's a whole protocol with this, which basically we, we pick a representative scene in someone's life that's mm -hmm. really charged or moment. Mm -hmm. And we say, okay, what's your negative belief when you think of this about yourself? Mm -hmm. It could be something like I'm unlovable or I'm a failure or any a number of things. Then we'd ask, what would you like to believe about yourself when you think about this? If you could, you know, and, and the, an adaptive belief might be, I was just a little kid, you know, they should have known better or any number of things. And then I'd say, okay, as we talk about this, because we're usually talking about charged material, what emotions are you feeling right now? Mm -hmm. And then you'd name your emotions. And then I would say, okay, when you put all this together, the picture, the negative belief, the emotions, um, zero to 10, how upsetting does it feel? 10 being the least and no, 10 being the most, zero being the least. And then I'd say, okay, what are you feeling in your body right now? In your system, you know, it could be nothing. It could be my stomach is flip-flopping all over the place. It could be 
I'm sweating, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, could be whatever. And you notice we got all the departments. We got picture. This is all the ways we file trauma. Mm -hmm. You can file it in picture form, self-belief form, emotions, mm -hmm. and body. So we get all the file drawers. We get information from all. And some people, some people store more in their bodies, more in implicit memory mm -hmm. than explicit scenes mm -hmm. and that's what we would call it they say i can't get a picture but i know this feeling you know i i recognize this feeling i've had mm -hmm. it all through through my childhood so that would be an implicit memory they don't have the picture but they have it so like we store in all different ways yeah you might store more in picture form or what and then we put that all together and we start some form of bilateral stimulation yeah. and the hardest thing for people to do is let go and just see where things go. Why, why would you say that is the case for them? Because we are very used to trying to make sense of things mm. from our most, from our prefrontal brain, you know, the brain that's tried to analyze, understand, put things together. And that's all great stuff. But with entrenched trauma, it doesn't always move it, doesn't always move the dial. So what we want to do is get that part of the brain a little bit moved over. Mm -hmm. And the BLS, the bilateral, helps another part of the brain get into the driver's seat. And that part, it's like, you know, when you go to sleep and you have dreams? Yeah. That's not your daytime brain, right? I mean, you'd never come up with that stuff when you were awake. Definitely not. <laughs> so, you know, there are different ways the brain does things. So we are putting a, that's why it's called reprocessing mm -hmm. because it's stuff you might've talked about, tried to understand for years. It didn't work because this wasn't the right tool. Mm -hmm. So we're putting a different part. So that's why we encourage people. It takes a little bit because we all want to hang on to what we're used to. This, this, is, this is a different part of your engine. Yeah. yeah. So make space, see where it takes you. You don't have to work it. And, you know, you could think of blueberries and go, why did I think of blueberries? I don't know why I thought, well, they're, I'm, I'm actually yeah. starting something that happened many years ago. You know, her, her father threw a bowl of cereal at her that was filled with blueberries, you know, when she was like a little, little tiny. And he did stuff like, because once you get into the neural, neural highway, all sorts of pieces of information yeah. Are, are, she's, why do you think of blueberries? We didn't know. I said, don't worry about it. Just go with it. Yeah. So that's why. If that does that answer it? That's amazing. It's it's like you said, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And it's just like these little things that just start to come to the surface. And then it's like really up to like you and your mental health provider to try and create the full picture of what it's supposed to be. Yes, that's why it's called the Francine Shapiro called it the adaptive information processing model. Mm -hmm. We're bringing adaptive information mm -hmm. to the to the neural network, unlocking it so it can take it in. Yeah. And going now, one thing I do want to stress is you do not do this at home. Mm -hmm. on your own. There are other parts of the protocol you can do on on your own. Okay. I can tell you about, but I just as people are listening. Don't go home and start tapping on, you know, 
because it can take you places really quickly. Mm. You need to work with, with a qualified trained EMDR mm. practitioner, but I, I will teach you something before we get off the call yeah. using bilateral, which you can do. Yeah, that would be so great because I know like personally, I've seen like um like clips on like YouTube and social media about like different like um EMDR like techniques that you could use. And I'm like, okay, that's great. And it's wonderful because I've gone through the process a few times with my therapist at the time. And so when I do it now, it's not it it's not triggering, I should say. It's not triggering. You know, the flame goes down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It might still be upsetting, but in the appropriate amount, mm -hmm. not instead of being this upsetting or, or, or disorienting, or it's like this upsetting, which it should be because mm -hmm. it wasn't fun stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I can teach resourcing, which is a, a tool of self-regulation yes. um, where you can use bilateral to uh, chill yourself out. I would love that. But before we get to that portion, um, I'm curious to know, like, is EMDR only for certain disorders, like specifically only for trauma or is it interlinked? I know that's a little bit unfair. No, to no, it's a super common. <laughs> when it was first introduced, it was mainly used with what we would call big T. It was used a lot for battlefield trauma and those kinds of things. Over the years, the one thing about EMDR that's great is the research has been fantastic. So that's why it's grown so quickly as a model. I would say it's good for me. You don't need a big T situation to say, maybe I'll try EMDR. Maybe this will help me break through my, you know, whatever it is you want to break through. It might, it might not be causing you PTSD symptoms, but your wonderful therapist of a few years and you just haven't gotten anywhere with it, you might try EMDR, who it's not good for. And that this is where a qualified person will be able to assess, is people who have had a lot of dissociation, which is funny to say because a lot of trauma, but severe dissociation. For just some context for the audience, can you just give us like a quick like 30 second what dissociation is? But yeah, well, we all do it sometimes when we sit past our subway stop or we've been walking for a few minutes and we, we go, where was I those few minutes when I got into my daydream? That's normal stuff. Dissociation in the severe, more severe forms can be anything from dissociative identity disorder, which is what we used to call split personality disorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Lots of different personalities. The thing is in that, the personalities don't know about each other. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, we, um, people who have had just blackout, a lot of blackout moments in their lives where they, they don't remember large chunks of time. It can be a bodily yeah. dissociation where all of a sudden they seriously lose touch with, all right, where's my arm or, you know, yeah. where's my leg or, you know, this, this can happen in, in more... It doesn't mean it's maybe ultimately some of those might be able to do it, but they'd need a lot of preparation. So, but as far mm -hmm. as life problem, mm -hmm. I think it could be useful across now a, a wide range of, of people seek it out. Everything from a recent event, terrible thing that just happened to somebody who wants to come and they don't, they want to work it so that it doesn't, doesn't turn into PTSD to, like I said, 
many of us who just keep hitting a wall and you know want to try another way. Thank you. Thank you. That was super informative. So could you go into, you know, detail about some of like the, the bilateral um, tips that you were mentioning beforehand? Because a big thing about TRP recovery is that we try to provide resources and tips for folks who can't traditionally afford, you know, therapy for whatever circumstance that might be. So what are some tips in terms of like trying to like do some of these stimulations that you could provide? Yes. Okay. All right. Bilateral stimulation is the most common is you just, you can't, but I'm just hitting my legs. I'm just tapping my legs or sometimes the butterfly, whatever feels better. And what you could practice is bringing up a scene, a place in your life that feels really good. And it, and it could be a real scene. It could be a real place. It could be a place to create out of your imagination. And you bring up all the uh, all the details about it, you know, the colors, what it feels like. A lot of people pick beaches. It's a very, very popular place. And so describe the beach, you know, and how it feels on the sand and the breeze on your body and, and whatever sounds are going on. You plug in all the sensory information. And as soon as you get it, you can close your eyes or not. You just, we call it tapping in, which just enhances, lets the brain take it in a little better. So you'd get it and then you just start tapping. Tap, 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 tap. And you do it for about 10 seconds, no longer. You pause, you take a breath, you let it go. And you ask yourself, what am I noticing? And it could be many things. It could be, oh, I feel a little lighter. It could be, oh, I don't know. I feel, I feel a little weird. And if you get something like, I feel a little weird, two things are possible. A, you know, the bilateral might not be a safe thing for you to do on your own. Or A, I had, this, this happened a few times. Oh, that's a beautiful beach, but that's the beach my boyfriend broke up with, with me on. And, oh, and they no. hadn't thought of it when they thought of the beach, but then that came into the neural highway. Yeah, that piece of information. So sometimes you'll start to tap on something and not realize, oh, there's another association there I forgot about. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you start to tap and it, it should feel a little better with each round. And if it doesn't, just stop and pick something else. So you could do that kind of thing with a place. You could do it with a person who instills a great amount of calm in you and they support you and they have your back and, you know, they have qualities you admire, you know, just somebody you'd like on your team. And some people make whole circles of people like, like a little support and you do the same thing you visualize. And it also can be somebody who's not real. It could be a spiritual entity. It could be whatever. I had a guy who had an alien the other week. And, and to me, I was like, isn't that scary? But like to him, that, like the, I didn't, like the alien had all, all the wisdom in the universe. Yeah. You know, this alien had, and he described the alien and, you know, the alien had special powers that could, mm -hmm. you know, and then you tap it in and, and you can also do this. You can use an animal, mm -hmm. you know, like your, your dog. Thank God my dog went to sleep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it could be your favorite meal. You know, it's, it's something that you think of and you go, oh, that feels good to think about. Oh yeah, food. 
definitely. <laughs> Unless you have a food thing that you're trying to work on and then mm. that, that might not be the best choice. Yeah. Um, so those are things you can safely do on your own. Okay. Um, and, but you just have to monitor a, you don't each set, each set, we call it a saccade, but you don't need to call it a set shouldn't be longer than 10 seconds. Uh-huh. You don't have to count that, you know, it shouldn't be long. And then you take a breath, you let it go. You notice, you, can, you know, and you can do that for a minute or two, just on and off, on and off. And uh, uh, that's called resourcing. And it's actually a part of the EMDR protocol. So if you did go into EMDR therapy, that would be a part of getting ready for it. There's a little book called Tapping In. You can get on Amazon if people are interested. It's pretty cheap, just a little, mm -hmm. little paperback by Laurel Parnell. Okay. And that talks all about resourcing. Thank you so much. And I'm definitely going to add that to the description so that way folks can go and purchase that book. And I love that you described this in detail because you're going to be so proud of like our closing exercise because <laughs> I didn't even realize that that was part of like um, EMDR. So uh, once again, thank you so much. I know that I've learned so much and I'm pretty sure that my audience did as well. So before we get into the closing exercise, what are like some places that people can find you, like your website, any social media that you might have? Yes, my website is guidedpersonalsolutions.com. Or if you put Pamela Thorpe, LCSW, it'll probably take you to that. I would also say people who are interested in EMDR, um, they can go to the EMDR International Association website, which is EMDRIA, E-M-D-E-M-D-R-I-A dot org. And they have all sorts of information as, as well as some information about possible sliding scale clinics, you know, or, or I haven't been on the website lately, but you know, they might be able to find some other, some other means to find some people. I know in New York, I know your listeners are probably all over the place. There are a couple of, you know, opportunities for sliding scale. So, but again, I'm guidedpersonalsolutions.com. Thank you so much, Pamela. So for the closing exercise, I want you to close your eyes <laughs> and I want you to imagine yourself in a place or in a space where you feel the most at peace. And it could be anywhere in the world with anyone or by yourself if you prefer. And you're sipping your favorite, favorite drink for me, it's tea, but it could be whatever you would like. And in this space, you feel so happy and so content and so blessed by how far that you've come and all that you've accomplished. What is one quote from like a song, scripture, or a book that you've read that can describe that feeling for you? Do you want me to say it? Or that's yeah. just <laughs> oh. Um, oh, just came into my head. Um, the greatest privilege of a lifetime is being yourself. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and it's Joseph Campbell. Oh my God, that was so good. But yeah, I was just like, kind of like gushing inside because I was like, oh my God, I do that for my closing exercise. And I didn't mm. even realize that's what it was. You're natural. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm so thankful for you accepting to be on this show. And I really do hope to have you back because I learned so much. And I'm sure that people will definitely want to hear more from you. 
It would be my pleasure. Yes. Thank you. You have a great one. Okay, you too.